Good morning, Forest Hill family. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Michael Talercio, pastoral intern of Forest Hill, and it's day 435 today. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 16, and we're picking up in our narrative that Pastor Jason left off on in chapter 15 just yesterday with David and Absalom and the rebellion that's fomenting there. And we're going to see David make his way with kind of a group of people interacting with some different people today, making his way kind of in shame out of the area of Jerusalem where he had been because of what Absalom is doing. And we're going to need the Lord's help to see what this text means for us uh, and especially what it what it does in pointing us to Jesus, how it points us to Jesus and what, what that means for us. So let's go to the Lord and ask for his help. Father, thank you that you've given us this time where we can look at 2 Samuel and just be reminded that you are at work. Even back then, Lord, you are working to establish your people, uh, and in particular David, Lord, and you're working with him even as he is failing. Uh, we, we see his lack of turning to you in these chapters that we've been in, Lord, and uh, we see the ramifications of that, Lord, and we confess that we are like that at times as well. Perhaps even right now, some of us have just not been turning to you lately. Would you forgive us? Would you uh, counsel and restore us through this time in your word together? And would you help us to see your son, who is the one who makes that restoration and, and who is the one who provides that counsel for us? He, he is the one who makes uh, our good possible. We pray this in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at Second Samuel chapter 16. When David passed a little beyond the summit, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of donkeys saddled, bearing 200 loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, a hundred of summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, Why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who faint in the wilderness to drink. And the king said, And where is your master's son? Ziba said to the king, Behold, he remains in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. Then the king said to Ziba, Behold, all that belonged to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth is now yours. And Ziba said, I pay homage. Let me ever find favor in your sight, my lord the king. When King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left and Shimei said as he cursed, Get out! Get out, you man of blood, you worthless man! The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. 
But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan, and there he refreshed himself. Now Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel with him. And when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king! Long live the king! And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, for whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, and with him I will remain. And again, whom should I serve? Should it not be his son? As I have served your father, so I will serve you. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give your counsel. What shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father, and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God, so was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed, both by David and by Absalom. Today's passage gives us three different pictures of David's suffering as a result of his lack of turning to the Lord. Pastor Jason had pointed this out to us uh, previously, that in all of these chapters, kind of following the time where David's son Amnon first violates Tamar and kind of incites her brother Absalom as a result, David has been silent in terms of him turning to the Lord. There has been no consultation of Yahweh by David in these chapters. And it's interesting that we get at the end of our reading that David considered the counsel, verse 23 here, of Ahithophel as if it was one consulting the word of the Lord. So, David is not consulting the word of God, but he's considering the counsel of Ahithophel as though it were the word of God. It was esteemed, Ahithophel's counsel was esteemed by both David and by Absalom. And so, what's happening to David in this passage of scripture is that he has left Jerusalem because of Absalom starting this rebellion in Jerusalem, coming into Jerusalem to try to de defeat and displace David as king, his own father. All this is the result of David not turning to the Lord. 
And in fact, it's actually a result of David's sin against Uriah and Bathsheba earlier, where the Lord had pronounced that the sword would not depart from David's lineage from his descendants as a result of his sin. And here we see the sword being wielded against David himself. So there's a there's a whole situation going on here where David is experiencing the consequences of his sin, and he's not regularly, he's not even at all in these chapters here, turning to God for counsel and for help. And so we get these three instances where David experiences hardship as he is leaving Jerusalem because of his absence, his lack of going to God in all this. And at first we see Ziba, the, the servant of Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth, whom, whom David had previously shown favor to and invited him to, to be in his, uh, in his home and to eat at his table daily, which Mephibosheth did. We see his servant Ziba going to David and bringing this report that Mephibosheth has now, because of Absalom's rebellion and because David is leaving Jerusalem, Ziba has brought this report to David about Mephibosheth, saying that Mephibosheth is hopeful that his uh, place in the royal family, at Saul's lineage, would be restored. And he's almost trying to strengthen himself against David. Now we'll learn later that that report may not be true, uh, that Mephibosheth uh, might not have been trying to rebel against David, but in fact Ziba is lying to David. And I think there's some credibility to that account. But at this moment, David buys, again, without seeking the Lord's counsel, he buys this lie, or this report at least, from Ziba, and then bequeaths to Ziba all that he had given to Mephibosheth because he's believing this report that Mephibosheth has turned from following David. In David's mind, the one whom he had provided for, the, the one who had been eating his bread, David's bread at his table, has lifted his heel against David. That's at least what is probably going through David's mind at that point. Now, what's interesting is that I, you know, I just quoted from Psalm 49 there. I'm sorry, Psalm 41, verse 9 there, that he who has eaten David's bread, uh, David having written Psalm 41, uh, has lifted his heel against him, kind of like a wild animal. So uh, you've heard the phrase, you don't, don't kick a gift horse in the mouth. Uh, in a way, what is happening here in this psalm and David writing, I think, in Psalm 41 about what he is experiencing in 2 Samuel 16, uh, we're seeing what seems to be in Mephibosheth uh, somebody who had been blessed by David now kicking back against David. Uh, That actually comes even more clearly into focus in the last portion of today's passage, where Hushai the Archite is encountering uh, Absalom, and Absalom is consulting the counsel of Ahithophel, because it's Ahithophel who most clearly fulfills that line from Psalm 41, verse 9. He who had eaten 
who he who had been a companion to David, a counselor, Ahithophel being one of his counselors, has now lifted his heel directly against David and has gone to provide counsel for Absalom. And of course, if, if we read into Psalm 41 and we read into what's going on in the backstory here in 2 Samuel, we know that the fulfillment of that is in Jesus Christ speaking those words about Judas. The gospel account tells us that the application, the proper application of that verse in Psalm 41.9 is to Judas lifting his heel against Jesus. John tells us that in chapter 13. And so all that to say, there are multiple uh, fulfillments of Scripture going on in today's passage with regard to Jesus. We get that with Ahithophel paralleling Judas, just as David parallels Jesus. But what we also see is a little less clear and a little more indirectly in the middle section of text in 2 Samuel 16, Shimei, this this other descendant of Saul, who is now cursing David as David has been has fled Jerusalem. Interesting to note, David has fled Jerusalem and uh, is encountering this descendant of Saul, Shimei, who's cursing him. And he's throwing stones at David and he's saying, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given him into the, has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. This is a totally unwarranted, unjustified curse that Shimei is pronouncing on David. If you remember, David was very careful to not defend himself against Saul's unjustified attacks on David. David trusted the Lord and waited for the Lord to bring about uh, his his kingship, David's kingship, in the face of King Saul tormenting and trying to kill David. Uh, and, and even after Saul dies in battle, apart from David, David still laments for Saul, as well as Jonathan, and, and writes uh, sort of a psalm, a song for the people to sing on behalf of Saul. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Speaking of Saul and Jonathan there. So what Shimei is doing here is completely unjustified. It's, it's downright wrong. It's evil what he's doing. Uh, and yet David is patient with him. And what I would like to draw our attention to here as we see, look to see Jesus is just how interesting it is that in Luke chapter 9, uh, we, we read this. Um, Verse 51. So Luke 9.51 is a turning point in Luke's gospel where Jesus sets his face to go up to Jerusalem. That is the turning point in each of the synoptic gospels when Jesus begins to go toward Jerusalem, toward his death. Uh, We read this in verse 51. When the days drew near for him, Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
And he sent messengers ahead of him and went, went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him. So as Jesus is going toward Jerusalem, he's not being received by the people there. Because, verse 53, his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? To destroy the, the people there in Jerusalem because they're rejecting Jesus as he's going toward it? What does Jesus do? He's, he turns and rebukes those disciples, James and John. And they go on to another village. And so what we see in this is a similar patience of Jesus to allow for this unjustified behavior of the people in Jerusalem to not receive Jesus as he's going toward Jerusalem. We see a similar patience to that expressed by David as he is approached and, and really cursed by Shimei. Jesus knows that there's a day of judgment and that's what enables him to be patient with these disciples of his and with the people in Jerusalem who won't receive him. And it's fitting that David pictures that for us in his patience with Shimei. Because actually, if we were to turn to Matthew chapter 25 and read of Jesus's view of the final judgment, beginning there in the last section of Matthew 25, verse 31 to the end, we would see Jesus encountering those who don't treat him and don't receive him as they ought to. And in fact, they are those who are cursed. They are the ones who are cursed. Those who have rejected him by rejecting his people. And so by rejecting David, Shimei is actually rejecting Jesus. Because as that parable there in Matthew 25 shows us, Jesus considers the rejection of his brothers, including men like David, to be grounds for rejection by Jesus. For, for Jesus to, to call those who reject Jesus as brothers cursed. It's an interesting connection there uh, that I would encourage you to go check out. Matthew 25, verses 31 to the end of the chapter. Jesus' parable there. But because Jesus knows that judgment is in store for all those who will not receive him and or receive his people, uh, Jesus is able to be patient in Luke 9. And David in, in 2 Samuel 16 is just a just pointing us forward to that, just a type of Jesus in, in that patience there. And so with that in mind, let's let's pray to the Lord because we want help not only to not be people uh, who, re, who neglect him and reject him, but we, we want his help to reach those who are rejecting him now. Let's, let's pray to him. Father, you've given us this picture in 2 Samuel 16 of uh, a man who is in suffering. Uh, and in 2 Samuel 16, it's a man who is in suffering because of sin and because of negligence in his relationship with you. And yet we also still see uh, glimpses of, of a Savior who would come and who would know what's going on in men's hearts and, and still be 
patient to give people an opportunity to repent. Thank you that that's what Jesus did, but we thank you at the same time that Jesus knows who are his, just as he knew that Judas was not really one of his own. And we see Ahithophel not really being one of David's true counselors and not not really uh, counseling men with your word. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would give the gift uh, to those we know who don't know you of salvation and that we would uh, be people who uh, give the counsel of the Lord to them, that we would not only come to you for it ourselves, but that we would share it with others. We pray this in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Well, glad you could be with us today as we looked at 2 Samuel 16. Hope you'll be able to join again tomorrow. Pastor Jason will be taking us through Acts chapter 2, a great passage of scripture. Hope you can join us for that. But until then, have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.